Hey everyone, I'm Jesse Sparks, host of the new podcast, The One Recipe, from the team behind The Splendid Table. This pod is all about that one recipe that you lean on. The one you share with friends, the one you make when you need a little love, and the one you know will work every single time. Every week, I talk with chefs and gifted cooks from all over the world about their one and the story behind it. We're here to help you build your kitchen library one dish at a time. Follow The One Recipe wherever you get your podcasts. The world is a dumpster fire. I'm Amy. And I'm Grace. And we want to help. And fair warning, our help comes with some strong language attached. So, you know, like Coco Melon them kids. (laughs) You know, turn up the volume on Coco Melon and you step into another room because we about to say some things. As a reflex to the fucking madness on the news, we're keeping it positive, uplifting, but opinionated. We talk about cultural moments we love. Talk to people we adore. Crushes we have. And self-care we stand. During these trying times, we all need a show that focuses on joy. This is The Antidote. Hi, everybody. Here comes another oh episode. Here we come again. We made it. Once made again, it. a new week, new episode. New thing to make me mad online. Um, I'm a little annoyed at online shopping, to be honest. Oh I I just went back to a store I hadn't really shopped at in a few years. And um, my sizes are not my sizes anymore. Some things oh. arrived oh. and I'm sending them back. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing about online shopping. It's so convenient because you're just like, oh, I'm just on my couch. I can look through all of these sweaters and dresses. But then... You know, you just have to have faith mm-hmm. um, that is going to fit. And if it doesn't, I keep so many things that do not fit me because I don't want to go through the drama of taking it to the place to uh, to return it. The FedEx or the UPS, I don't feel like going. So I literally don't shop at stores that don't have easy return policies. Like I will check the return policy on a store. And if it's like, it costs $4.95 to return this and it must go to UPS. I'm like, oh, I guess you don't want me to shop here. I'm literally, unless it comes in a box and I can put tape right back on that box and push it out the door. I don't even shop there because I'm like, not worth it. I, I, don't, I need convenience of all forms. No, I, I totally get it. It's, I, I'm not proud of it, um, but it's the truth. It's my truth. So, Amy, we can't have an antidote if you don't have something to get an antidote from. You're right. So starting now up top with our bummer news of the week. Okay. First thing, guys, I mean, you've heard these Black doctors facing discrimination. Like, this isn't new news, Mm. to be honest, but this particular story really made me upset. There's a 39-year-old doctor, Black doctor named Dr. Dare Adewumi. And if you know anything about me, you know that I love that name because that is Nigerian, who is a doctor in Atlanta. He filed a federal lawsuit against Wellstar Medical Group and Wellstar Health Systems, alleging employment discrimination based on race. He filed the lawsuit because he was fired from Wellstar Cobb Hospital in Austell, Georgia, which is in an Atlanta area hospital, where he led the neurosurgery practice. And the part that's frustrating is he filed this lawsuit and then all of these other Black doctors in the area started coming out and sharing their own stories of completely random discrimination. He Mm -hmm. said in a quote, I've worked so hard, done so much to get to this level, and all I really wanted to do was help sick people. And here I was having this taken away from me for no reason other than my skin color, end quote. And I know he worked hard because this man is Nigerian. And Nigerians <laughs> work hard at everything. So I'm particularly mad because they wronged my cousin, but I'm also mad because this is always the case with Black 
doctors and Black people in high-end fields and high, you know, living in spaces of whiteness. The scrutiny is so high. It's unfair. Yeah. I mean, this is this is terrible. I, I hate that this happened. Um, a thousand percent I hate that this happened. Um, and I believe it. I mean, that is a real bummer that this guy was so discriminated against that he needed to file a lawsuit. So I believe that this happened. So I'm really sorry. Um, and I hope he wins his coins because he deserves. Yeah, well, the bummer news doesn't stop there. Um, have you noticed <sighs> that shit's real expensive lately? Amy, I have noticed. (laughs) Well, that's my second piece of bummer news. According to CNN Business and uh, my bank account, Mm. inflation rates have been increasing since August 2021. In fact, the consumer price index rose 8.5% for the year ending in March. And that's a rate that we haven't seen since December of 1981. And just to put that in perspective, that means like we're seeing these rising gas prices, rising food prices. And Americans, literally, there's no... There's no sign of relief in sight. (laughs) Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I have noticed this. I went to the gas station and I remember, you know, when I was driving a lot, when I was, um, you know, working on Insecure, I remember half a tank Mm -hmm. used to be like, I don't know, like $25 to $30. Girl, Mm -hmm. half a tank cost me $75. And I was just like, oh, Whoa. I was like, okay, they really telling the truth about this inflation thing. You know what I'm saying? I I this is this is some bullshit. What? That's too much money to pay on gas for not even a whole tank. People are comparing it to the inflationary period after World War II. And they're saying that like Basically, back then, there were all these issues with decline on supply chains and um, and there's all this pent-up demand because there has been such a tax on the supply chains. And that's what we're going through. Just like we talked about a couple of weeks ago with the shortage of baby formula. Like, that is... That it's all because supply chain issues are happening as a result of the pandemic, and that is leading to the inflation. And the pandemic's still here, and so I am panicked about the future of America. You know, the sad thing about this is that the Federal Reserve has given very little guidance on, in general, on how long they predict it will take for interest hikes to lower. And so it's kind of like, oh, just hold on. How long? We don't know. Anyway. How are you feeling right now, Grace? Well, I do feel like there's a little rain cloud. You know, in cartoons, when they have that little rain cloud right over your head, it's just raining just Mm -hmm. on you. That's kind of how I feel Mm -hmm. now after hearing all that bad news. How about you, Amy? Oh, no. Pretty much the same. So how about we get into the antidote and feel better? Yeah, let's get into the antidote. So this is the segment where we tell you about the culture we consumed and things we did this week that made us feel better about the bummer news. So, Grace, what was your antidote this week? So my antidote is just a really fun, funny, sweet show um, that's actually written by a friend of mine. Oh, really? Uh, I know. Yeah, from I know from Kimmy Schmidt. It's uh, it's called Girls by Beba. Yes. And uh, I love it. You know, it's, you know, executive produced by uh, Tina Fey, the as legend. well as Meredith Scardino, who Jump is machine. the creator of the show. Um, and it's starring uh, Renee... Goldsbury, I think is her name, Renee Elise Goldsbury, Busy Phillips, Paula Pell, and Sarah Bareilles. And it's about like a uh, old gr- girl group from the 90s and they're kind of reuniting to, um, yeah. to, you know, start creating new music again. And it is just hard 
funny because, you know, me and Amy talk about all the time that, you know, uh, comedy right now is always kind of dark. Like there's a lot of dramedies that sort of um, sort of market themselves as comedies. And, you know, I love a lot of those shows, you know, as well. Like, but every so often I will, I will go back to Frasier. I'll go back to the office. I'll go back to, to um, a different world or living single because I, sometimes you just want to laugh and you don't want to like think about like the growth of this character or whatever, (laughs) like, you know, you just want to like have a hard comedy with lots of jokes um, that's light and airy and beautiful. And that's what Girls 5 Eva is. I mean, yeah. obviously they are well-drawn, um, complex characters as well, but it's just like hard, funny. Um, you laugh so much. The music is amazing. It's by Jeff Richmond, um, who did the music for 30 Rock and stuff like that as well. Yeah. Um And I just, they figured out a way to keep this going in season two, um, to keep it as funny and fresh as it was for season one. So literally I rushed to my TV as soon as I realized that, that it had dropped and I like watched one before work and I was like, work starts at 9am and I was like watching it at like 7am with like my, I love a morning with my Kashi cereal. I'm not going to lie. I, sometimes I do that. I wake up. Up before work and I watch something in the morning. It, it feels so good. It feels like you're being banned. Like, ooh, it's Saturday. <laughs> yes, it's like, ooh, I, I should be saving this for later, but I'm just hitting it right out of the park. And um, so I ate my kashi and I ate it and I watched it and I laughed so much. And it just brought me such joy because I'm so proud of my friends <laughs> for like creating a show that I love so much. And a lot of my friends actually worked on uh-huh. it as well. A lot of my friends are writers like Lauren Gerganis, uh-huh. AZ Dungey. Um, you know, Matt Whitaker. So um, it's just such a joy to watch. So I would really like hard recommend if you're just looking for something to to watch, it's on Peacock. Um, and uh, just just watch my friend's show. It's so funny. And I, I promise you'll laugh and it'll be worth it. So loving Girls by Veva uh, really made me smile this week. How about your antidote, Amy? Well, your antidote was about watching television. And my antidote was about Foods you eat while you watch television, like pasta. And my (laughs) antidote was what goes on pasta, which is pesto. And I'll tell you why pesto is my antidote. I'm not a big pasta eater. I just like eating pasta. I'm like hungry 20 minutes later. It feels like I'm eating air. Don't know why. I think it's because I'm vegetarian and I don't get, I can't eat pasta with meat in it. And it's rare that you go to a restaurant. It's like shrimp. It's like three little shrimp. And it's like salmon pasta isn't a thing that's happening every day. So I just don't have a lot to say about pasta. Like how many times can you eat spaghetti? Um, But I went out to eat with my co-host here and I was like, I really love pesto and I just don't have it often. Also, adding to the things that make it annoying to eat with me, I'm also lactose intolerant. And so most of the time Mm -hmm. pesto is made with dairy, so I avoid it. But uh, every now and then you catch a restaurant who does it right. And we went to this Mm -hmm. restaurant and they had a dairy-free Marcona almond pesto. And I was like, I'm getting it, son. And not only was it spaghetti with this pesto and a poached egg on top, also, yes, I remember the poached. Yes. And the spaghetti noodles were all thick. They were mm-hmm. thick. 
And I was like, what kind of spaghetti is this? It could barely even stay on my fork. And it was just like dripping in pesto. Yeah, I love a thick spaghetti. You know, I like thickness in many forms. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I I really like a thick spaghetti and I really like pesto and I really like pasta with an egg in it. Yeah. And I was like, this is so fancy and delicious. And I... I was like, I am savoring this. I was really, really hungry when we, when we got to dinner, but I have pesto so rarely because it's never dairy free that I was like, or it's rarely dairy free. There, places do it. That um, I was like, I'm going to savor this and savor every bite and enjoy it because this is a moment that doesn't happen often. <laughs> and it's so funny to think of just like a meal at a restaurant, spaghetti, as a moment to have like an antidote or to savor. Mm. But it really did feel special because it's something that I ordinarily I see pasta on a menu and I'm like, not for me. Like, I'm just going to be hungry in 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, and this was a time where I was full afterwards and I was happy and I got to taste something really delicious and I got to be with my friend. And I was mm-hmm. like, this is my antidote. Getting to have a leisurely, beautiful, sumptuous, delicious dinner with a dear friend um, and enjoy some pesto. I love that. I'm glad that I'm part of your antidote this week. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, yeah, it was a really lovely meal. And it was like, we were sitting outside and we had like done something earlier together. And yeah, we got to see a lot of each other this weekend, which was really rare and nice. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that pesto was fire. It was really good. Um, ooh, thinking about that meal makes me hungry all over again. I'm going to get a snack. We'll be back after this break. Welcome back to The Antidote. We have a special guest today. Who is it, Grace? Well, this Emmy-nominated, multi-hyphenate, hails from Boston, Dorchester specifically. The New York Times called her one of the most exciting provocateurs in comedy right now. She is a stand-up. She's an actor and writer who's written for shows such as Saturday Night Live and That Damn Michael Che. Her HBO show, Pause, is a fresh new take on the late night talk show. She is accomplished and cool as fuck, and we are so excited to get to know her. Please welcome Sam J. Woo! Hey! (laughs) We did it. What's up? We got it it all in. You're like, that's that's everything, right? Uh, she's very impressive. She's very impressive. But we aren't here to talk about your many, many, many accomplishments, okay? We're here to get Z. So let's check in first. How are you feeling today? Like, for real, for real. Like, not small talk. Like, real talk. How am I feeling? Yeah. Uh, exhausted, but not in a bad way. Like, I've been exhausted for things I hate. Mm-hmm. So it's not a bad exhaustion, but I am like, I'm tired. Seems like it's never a break long enough because, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, you know like on your break, you're kind of thinking about what you got to do. You know, what's next? Creativity is weirdly uh, draining in that mm-hmm. way because it's, it's all fueled by you and your ideas. So you're just constantly like, well, I got to be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's all good stuff. And like, I feel like I'm like growing as a person. I woke up today feeling very... I'm figuring it out. Nice. And do you, do, could you say a little bit more about that? Like figuring it out professionally, feeling figuring it out personally? All, all of it, around. I think. The balance of it, like how I'm going to interact with all of it and, and, and come out the other side, a whole person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Well, let's keep these good vibes going. We need that right now. This show is called... 
the antidote because life is hard. We all need different antidotes to deal with the bullshit. So I want to ask you, Sam, what is your antidote? In other words, what's something non-work related that's bringing you joy this week or this month? My friends are like Jackson Town. You know, Jack Knight is also a part of Bus Down. And uh-huh. one of my closest friends, and he's been here because we're working on pause season two. Mm-hmm. And so I get in a like jam with my homies. And, you know, we're going to Boston to do a scout because we're shooting probably two episodes of pause in Boston what? this season. And so I'm excited to go home and be like scouting my hometown for like my TV show. That's kind of like, what? like, what the hell? And like Zach, will, I mean, Jack's going to be there. So I get to kind of show him where I grew up and stuff. We've never like been to Boston together. So like in a corny, cheesy friend way, I'm like, I'm going to show my friend my whole town at the same time. That's exciting. Bust down. We're going to do a show and a screening Saturday. So I'm like, I've got a few things to be excited about. That's wonderful. And like, what is your relationship to your hometown? Like, do you feel like, I don't know. I have like complicated feelings about my hometown. Like I don't, like there's love there, but also I love like, for a reason. <laughs> yeah, I love for a reason. <laughs> I mean, I think that's like the deal with hometowns, you know. Mm-hmm. But I love Boston. My family's still there. When I go home, it feels like home. But it's it's hometown shit. Two days, and I'm like, I I did enough. I got it. I'm, I'm ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what's your max number? Is it really two days? Like two, three days. Oh like, wow, we've, we've done it all. yours is lower than mine. <laughs> Love y'all so much. Yeah, but for me, it's a week. <laughs> a week is like, a, like once I've been there a week, I'm just like, get me back to the coast. But I love that you're so close to like old friends. And I always feel like part of what uh, becomes an antidote over time are the people who knew you when. Mm-hmm. And especially like since so many of your friends are comics, you guys are all coming up together and doing the same uh, things, but they also knew you when. <laughs> So knowing a few of where the bodies are buried. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've known Jack since shit, maybe six, six years now since I started. So like he knows I'm like when I was broke as shit and insecure and Mm. nervous, it wasn't going to work out. And just those days when I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know what I mean? I think that's what it is. The longer you live, the more you have like all these these different like factions of your life. When I was growing up, I, I've had so many nicknames and that's how you know when people knew me is what they call me. Like in college, I was Amy J. <laughs> and after I left school, I was Amy, Amy, like double Amy. And now I'm just Amy. <laughs> but like, <laughs> I'm like, when you encounter people from the past and you're like having to be like, oh yeah, don't call me that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that's not my nickname here. <laughs> Um, well, speaking of being broke for a while, uh, I loved the financial episode of Pause, Money mm. in the American Way. I watched that three times. I just wanted to absorb it because, like, there's such a, I, I don't know, it's so hard to feel in any way financially unburdened or financially free. Um, and I felt like you explored that so well, even with the people you talked to. And I wonder, has taking control of your finances been an antidote for you in these wild times? Do you feel like you're in control or not? Does it mm-hmm. ever come? I'm still, I'm still buying too much shit, and uh, <laughs> I'm still I working. can relate. <laughs> I'm still buying too much stuff and, and working on it. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm trying to get my shit together. Let me just say that. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I have a luxury problem that I developed during the pandemic. I like started watching all these YouTube girls like tell me about what Gucci's coming out next, and then I go and buy it. I like stuff. It's a problem. Yeah. 
we're actually like, exploring it in the, this pause season two is like a episode we're doing around addiction and I'm, I'm talking about my uh I like stuff yeah well I need to watch that one in particular because <laughs> I have that same affliction yeah yeah <laughs> It's bad. Uh, well, another thing I love about your show is like the fact that you feature house parties each episode. And like I part of why I loved watching it was because it came out during the pandemic and house parties were like a relic of the past. And I'm like watching your show and like the first episode, I almost <laughs> too much information, but I literally almost cried because I was just like all of these people. And I was just like, what? Um, are you someone who hosts a party? Do you like hosting a party? Does it bring you stress or does it make you relax? No, yeah. Part of the reason that concept came about is because I'm a party person and people are always coming over all the time. Um, and I, I was just trying to get it closer to feeling like me mm-hmm. and not contrived. And uh, I'm yeah. always drunk in my house screaming at somebody about something <laughs> that I believe in. <laughs> At the time, you know, <laughs> so I was like, oh, that might be a good setup for this to allow like, you know, these ideas to come through. And also, I just think that that's what people do. You know, you especially when you're like in your 30s, you're not doing a lot of like douche clubbing. You're like hanging out in your crib, arguing over some bullshit till it's 2 a.m. because you won't let a point go. And like it just I think allows for real dialogue to happen mm-hmm. because the stakes are very low. I feel like when you're at a desk doing the the standard desk show, you're now an authority. And so you have mm-hmm. to be correct. It was something that me and Princess talked about a lot. And I was like, I just don't want to have to be right. You know, I want to mm-hmm. have room to make mistakes in this show. Mm-hmm. I want to have room to grow in this show. I want to, you know, and I think we're doing more of that this season where I can go out in the world because of the less COVID rules. We can really get out in the world this time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just learning things through these interviews where I come out on the other end going, oh, maybe I think differently now based on these experiences. And mm-hmm. I wanted to give myself space for that. And a desk just doesn't seem to allow that type of uh, personal growth to happen. Mm-hmm. And so the party, the stakes are so low that people feel comfortable saying what they think because we're all saying what we think. And then mm-hmm. on top of that, it, it gives room for error or not having the cleanest opinion. Yeah, it feels more like a conversation rather than an interview. Yeah. Yeah. And, if, and yeah. it feels super black because I feel like the way that the looseness of the way you talk to people is just felt it's just made me miss like just like Amy was saying just made me miss just those those late night parties where you aren't censoring yourself quote unquote mixed company so you feel like it's all small talk um <laughs> and that's what I really love about you know those parts of the show thank you so much but when you are drunk in your house what's your drink of choice oh uh, I drink tequila I'm a tequila girl oh my god wait tequila and what just straight Sometimes just on the rocks with an orange. Most of the time, just on the rocks with an orange. Wow. I'm a grown up. I'm a grown up. <laughs> you grown. Right now, I got a little OJ in it because my girl made it. But usually, just a little orange. Tequila gives me a headache. Like tequila, like tequila grace is a grace that you don't necessarily want to meet. <laughs> No, she a lot of fun. She a lot of fun. Oh, when we, um, when me and Amy went to Mexico, we did a tequila tasting. It was great. Um, we learned a lot about mezcal and 
all the different. All yeah, the different we did that too. Me and my uh, fiance, I just got engaged. We did that. Oh, congratulations. Oh, congratulations. You heard it here first. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Exclusive. Do you have like an engagement story that you would w- be willing to share? An engage. Okay. Yeah, come <laughs> on. <All right>. Uh, <laughs> I love love. Uh, well, I proposed on my birthday, so oh, I love my, my birthday party was a good way to mask an engagement situation. Um, mm-hmm. and a good way to get her friends in town and stuff. Yeah, and I had to pressure her to say yes because I would have sucked. <laughs> yeah, like for my birthday. Um, but yeah, a good way to get her friends in town without her being like, "What are these people doing here?" But like, everyone's just here for a party, and I threw like a really big 40th birthday party and um got everybody together. Her best friend was actually moving to Japan. She's mm. in the military. She's a military wife. So they were moving off to Japan. So I wanted to do it before her best friend left because I knew it would be really important for her to have her there. That's and then I got, of course, when got the ring and all that, I had already picked all that out. And then I got a saxophonist to come in and play uh, Caught Up in the Rapture by Anita Baker. Kenny G. <laughs> And, and Kenny, not Kenny G, but also Kanye <laughs> crazy shit, but it was not Kenny G. But I got a, um, yeah, it's actually supposed to play Caught Up in the Rapture, oh. which we kind of fell in love to Anita Baker. Like uh, we had yes. the, the night we uh, had sex the next morning, she was playing Anita Baker. And I was like, I fucking love Anita Baker. And then we just like listened to Anita Baker all day and like yeah. laid around the bed and stuff. So it's like kind of one of those songs that brings back all those like good old memories of how we met. And she was drunk and high because it was a party. So she didn't know what was going on. So as I was like <laughs> saying the stuff and also I was trying to create an intimate moment within a public moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, like the saxophonist is playing, like I'm talking in her ear because the things I needed to say to her were personal and not yeah. for everyone to hear. And, so she's, like, like, what? and she's just like, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Uh-huh. Like get to the point, bitch, because she thinks I'm in one of my sometimes I get drunk and I rant. I do. Oh, I get drunk, okay. I, I corner her <laughs> and I hit her with these heavy rants of like, this is what we need to be doing. You know what I mean? As so she thought I was hitting her with one of these and she wanted to go dance. So she was like, uh, uh, uh. and then finally she realized like there's a saxophonist <laughs> right next to you. And like a moment is happening. And then she just started crying. And the uh, hugs got more and more like high pitched because she was bawling. <gasps> and then I dropped the knee like a, like an old school G, you know? Love it. Mm-hmm. That's what she married me. And there was a Ninja Turtle there. Uh, Wait, what? Please explain. I had a 90s theme party and I got a- you. I'm a giant child. And so Thought you're going to be I, like, it was New York. So it. was <laughs> no. it Donatello? That's my favorite. No, 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 no. Because it was a party <laughs> and because it was a nice thing party. And I wanted a Ninja Turtle to pass out pizza. Mm-hmm. So of course, nice. Michelangelo, Brilliant. he's the party dude. And so <laughs> Michelangelo was there to hand out pizza and the photo, the most famous photo that all our friends shared of the engagement is me that on with me like this with Michelangelo standing <laughs> on the side like this. Oh my God. <laughs> I love it so, so much. <laughs> that is so, wow, you do throw a good party, first of all. That is incredible. The way you thought everything through, you know what I'm saying? That dot, that the yes. Ninja Turtle is, is, doing pizza because Ninja Turtles love pizza. It's a 90s theme party. Yes. You had the saxophonist there. Oh my God. It sounds like a... Yeah, it was like nice. A, she was dressed as like a uh, little Kim, which she had the Chanel. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. With yes. The strip. And I was dressed like Fresh Prince with the inside out blazer. Oh, I love that. Have I love fun. it so much. 
We came in like puffy and mace and we had on shiny suits and then <laughs> more money, more problems. And then we took them off. And then um, I I'm going to make a money. request. Um, what? If me and Amy are Damn. ever in New York, when you're having a party, um, we would love one to come. Time. One time. <laughs> and I, yeah, you could be like, eh, this is going to be a small one. I'll invite them so they don't embarrass me. And we'll just roll we'll just through. Roll you can through. even we get just to walk when we have to leave by. <laughs> So we don't no, fuck up the vibe because we're nerds. <laughs> just like barrier. Just pop in and pop out. More than barrier for sure. That's great. Are there any antidotes that you do together as a couple? Things that you do to like self-care for each other? We like to go, we like to get high and go to the museum. Like she'll do an edible, mm. I'll do an edible mm-hmm. too. Or sometimes I do shrooms. She doesn't must mess with shrooms. But like we like to get high and go to museums a lot. That's our like, that's one of our jams, especially when we go somewhere. Like out the country. That's like mm-hmm. that is yes. the move. Like psychedelics in the museum is fun times. Well, what would you say um is your proudest non-career related accomplishment that you have? Honestly, it is the growth that I've had in my relationship. I feel like I've really mm-hmm. turned a corner and I'm starting to learn how to prioritize my relationship. And that was such a hard thing for me to find the balance between that career and just my own selfish wants. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, just really, I feel like I'm getting into this real settled place in that and really mm-hmm. learning how to put it first. And when I do that, not thinking, oh, I'm prioritizing my fiance over myself or I'm sacrificing something I want to do for something she wants to do, but it's, a prioritizing of the whole relationship because the relationship Mm, is something that I want and that I want to see grow and just kind of turning that corner and and gaining that understanding and and really stepping up to the plate to try to implement that has been something that I've been proud of. I mean, I'm assuming that took work, like getting to a place where you're like, oh, I'm kind of fucking up, like, and then wanting to do the work. Like, was there, yeah, yeah. Was there like a, a moment or a turning point for you that you started realizing like, oh, we is me. Yeah, I mean, we had a really fucking tough ass summer and I went through a little bit of a period where I wanted a break, you know, and I was like, I need Mm -hmm. to get out here and explore and know the world. And it was like really hard on her because Mm -hmm. we really love each other. And we went to couples counseling through the whole thing and watching her, uh, try to still be in it and process it and be present while I was doing that. And like, Mm -hmm. not just the way she sacrificed herself for the relationship, because she could have just been like, nigga, you're you're doing some wild shit. I'm out. I'm not beat for it. Mm -hmm. But it was like, and and I don't want this, but it was like, if this is what you need, let's try this. And and, in that, you know, I think keeping the therapy going was a a good tool to have Mm -hmm. this person kind of navigating us through whatever that was. And by the end of the summer, one, I was just like, I don't really want to be out here. I think I liked the idea of it more than what it actually was. Mm-hmm. I think I because let me tell you, the streets are not great. I don't like the streets. And I'm, I think I'm I in them. Just, I don't like the and streets. They're not great. <laughs> I think I was just feeling controlled, and I have a problem with that. And I was just feeling like oh, she was smothering me a bit, and all my choices weren't my own anymore. And I needed to feel individual again. But in that, you know, and being like, I don't really like the streets and also how it was hurting her. It just made me 
check how much these things were really important to me and what mm. was actually important to me and what I really wanted out of life. You know what I mean? And yeah. if I want this, then I, I have to feed it and nurture it and grow it. And I can't be selfish anymore. I think also turning 40, I, you just get older and your brain just stops being dumb, you know, like you start <laughs> to see things and like, it just is, is a thing where I, I do really, I really love my fiance and I want to spend the rest of my life with her. And that's just going to take work. And it's just something you have to constantly keep feeding and growing and investing in. And I don't think we really think about that at first, but it's like, you got to keep turning to the relationship and putting, putting your, your energy back into it to get anything good out of it. Uh, That's beautiful. And a, I like, you do not look 40. So I'm glad to hear you are. Cause I was like, that is too wise for me. (laughs) And I'm like, I was like, how did this 23 year old come up with this? (laughs) Now I'm like, oh, I see. (laughs) That's why you're drinking tequila. I'm just living grown up. You're being grown. And that, that is meaningful (laughs) to me because I literally right now am, in a place where I'm still dating, but it's really hard for me to prioritize that kind of stuff um, in front of my career right now. Cause like, I'm just used to the grind. So I felt like that was a word for me to like, think about what do I really want for my life? And if I want um, relationship, then I need to pour into it. Um, you have to make room for it. Yeah. It just doesn't like nurture itself. Uh-huh. And, it, and it's like, there's a lot, it's a lot to it, but she's absolutely worth it because she mm-hmm. pours back into me. You know what I mean? And yeah. with, without that balance, I don't know if these other things would feel as good or matter as much without mm-hmm. what I have on the other side of it. So it's like they they're both very important. Mm. Um, I'm assuming that your new show Bust Down doesn't tackle heavy topics like this. It's a full ass comedy. Is there anything you can share that because comedy is a huge antidote for everybody, you know, everybody, especially during these crazy times. Is there anything you can share about the show? I don't know. You know, it's a fun, silly ass show where we really went for jokes and we didn't want to be important and we didn't want to do any like heavy lifting for the black community. Mm. We were like, we were thinking about Martin days and I'm not saying it's as funny as Martin. No one come fucking yelling at me. but we were just going for that feeling of like this is just funny for funny sake and it's not trying yeah. to do that else but just be silly and funny you know we we often say and it feels a little corny but we're just like you know white white people and white spaces and white writers and white actors they just get to fucking shoot and be yeah. shit. And it seems like anytime you're doing something black, you got to carry the whole race to the finish line of Message something with a capital. M. And it's like, yeah. nah, man, we just want to make a silly, silly, silly doo doo and dick jokes and um, <laughs> laugh a bunch. And so that's the thing that we made. And I'm really, really proud of it. That's great. I mean, that's what we need right now. I mean, you know, you need to laugh when, um, shit in the world is going <laughs> yeah way. that's what we're going for we're just going for hard-hitting jokes man and in in the yuck yucks well obviously we want to plug um bust down or whatever but is, is there anything else that you would like to plug um it, it can even be a something that you love that someone else does oh man wow i mean there's just so much dope stuff out in the world right now like I just say, like, support good art. Keep going mm-hmm. to comedy clubs. No, but seriously, that's how we get to the space to make a show. You know, it's like 
some of this stuff gets worked out on stage and some of that growth that you need to be able to stand in front of a camera, you figure out in front of a live audience. So just like supporting live arts is like super huge and important. Um, And I would just encourage people to do that. Plus it's fun. Things that I have coming up. I mean, the most important thing really is bust down March 10th on Peacock TV. Mm -hmm. It is like a... A pro- like a passion project, a thing I made with my best friends. And I really got to watch them ship grow, like like grind and shine and like grow. Um, and it was just like a really beautiful thing to make and watch. And we hope people really dig it and laugh a whole lot. Watch Abbott Elementary because I love Quinta and that's the Yes. Home. Yes, we um, are big fans here of Abbott Elementary. Or Abbott, you know, just get out there and, and watch the shit that's good. Uh and Sam, where can people find you on the internet? I don't want you people finding me on the internet. <laughs> no, you can find me at, at Sam J Comic um, on any Instagram or Twitter. It's both Sam J Comic. <laughs> You're just like, no, no, please don't. In fact, don't at me. Please don't. Please don't. I really don't. I hate it. Thank you so much, Sam. This was delightful. It was great. Thank you, guys. Yes. Thank you. Okay, now we're going to do our creative tap in in which we tip, tip, tip into our creativity. Amy and I are both writers, so being creative brings us joy. And this is a podcast about joy. So Grace is going to surprise me with a quote about creativity, and I'm going to let her know what it makes me think. Here we go. I cannot expect even my own art to provide all of the answers, only to hope it keeps asking the right questions. That is by Grace Hardigan. I'll read it one more time. I cannot expect even my own art to provide all of the answers, only to hope it keeps asking the right questions. Grace Hardigan. I had a professor in college who said, um, art and entertainment is the only medium through which inter- uh, culture gets to have a conversation with itself. Mm. To say that because it's like we're watching it in real time as we're living, and it's it's like people from our time doing a thing before our eyes. And um, that's what this quote makes me think of because it sort of makes me think that you engage with art, with character, with story, because you're trying to figure out or trying to assess or examine something about the human condition, um, not because you know it. Like I can know where a character is from or like what they're doing in a scene, but the idea of character, I feel the best characters are close to people and people are evolving and they're never set. They're never fixed. They're on a journey. Um, that's why we talk about the character's journey. Mm-hmm. So to me, the I think the quote makes me think of that, like we're engaging in a conversation with ourselves or with our heart, mm-hmm. as the quote says. And the, it's not about answering. It's about having a conversation. So maybe e- even though she says um, asking questions, for me, I almost think it's like learning, having a conversation. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, that's great. Um, I guess what it made me think of is the fact that I thought that I would get to a point in my artistic life where I did it right, if mm. that makes sense. So mm-hmm. constantly, mm. you know, as artists, you're striving to reach the highest level of achievement in whatever art that you choose. And so 
if you're trying to reach the highest level of achievement in whatever art that you choose, you think that there's a right way to do it and there's a wrong way to do it. And this script is either right or it's wrong. It's either bad or it's good. But as I've gotten further into this path of being a writer, being a creative, I have <laughs> learned I've learned that it's sometimes it's not being right or being wrong or this is bad or this is good. It's almost a step on the way to getting to your highest artistic expression. So sometimes though you had to write those bad scripts or those bad jokes or, you know, you had to go through that in order to get over to the other side. Um, So it's not about a piece of work being right or wrong. It's asking the question of, okay, like in this particular piece of art what are you learning what are you how is it getting closer to the ideal thing that you want to make um rather than judging it so harshly which is what I definitely used to do so every time I write a uh a movie or I would do something I'd be like oh is this achieving what these like artists that I look up to uh, have achieved. And I used to judge myself against that. So now I don't do that anymore. I was just like, what is the best version of Grace and Grace's work that I can achieve? Um, Which is growth. But at the same time, sometimes I still am just like, is this right? And is that wrong? And the only way to judge right or wrong is comparing it to something. So I'm still at some point comparing it somehow to other people's work. So this is just kind of like a reminder, like bring it back to you, girl. And like, what did you learn through creating this script or this character, this podcast? Like, what did you learn that's bringing it closer to your best self? Because that's really all you can do. That's really all you can achieve. Yeah, I feel you. I think that feel, that sounds really relatable. Good quote. Okay, thanks for listening to The Antidote. We hope this injected a little bit of joy into your week. I know it did mine. How about you, Amy? I feel good, girl. We should do this again sometime. Oh, we'll be here next week. And in the meantime, if you'd like to follow us on social, follow me, Grace, at Gracieact. That's G-R-A-C-Y-A-C-T. And follow me, Amy, at Amy Aniobi. That's A-M-Y-A-N-I-O-B-I. And follow the show at The Antidote Pod. That's the with two E's. If you like feeling good about yourself, please subscribe and rate us five stars at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Goodbye. And support some live art. The Antidote is hosted by us, Amy Aniobi and Grace Edwards. It's produced by Jenna Hanchard and our associate producer is Taylor Polidor. Our executive producer is Erica Krauss and our editor is Erica Jenick. Sound mixing by Alex Simpson. Digital production by Miju Sayuni. Talent booking by Marianne Ways. Our theme music was composed and produced by TT the Artist and Cosmo the Truth. APM Studio Executives in Charge are Chandra Kavati, Alex Shafford, and Joanne Griffith. Concept created by Amy Aniobi and Grace Edwards. Send us your antidotes at antidoteshow.org. And remember to follow us on social media at The Antidote Pod. That's the with two E's. 
The Antidote is a production of American Public Media. That's right.